Welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I am your host. Here on this podcast, we interview makers and artists of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. This episode's guest is Olivia Jade Juarez, and Olivia is a multidisciplinary artist, designer, and fabricator located in Chicago. She recently managed the metalworking and forging department at Chicago Industrial Arts and Design Center in Rogers Park, with past experience at the Anderson Ranch Arts Center in Colorado and Vivian Beer Studio Works in New Hampshire. Juarez attended high school at the Waldorf School in Rogers Park and earned her BFA from Alfred University in New York. Her current studio practice ranges from digital design, sewing, felting, forging, and metal fabrication. I actually had the extreme uh, pleasure and honor to meet Olivia as a visiting artist to my uh, grad school, one of my grad school classes. Um, and she showed us for two days, she showed us different metalworking skills in our foundry and it was awesome to get to witness her working and kind of learn her perspective on things and so I definitely enjoyed catching back up with her to do this interview and learn more about her practice and how she has arrived at what she is doing now. Before hopping into my conversation with Olivia, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Matthew from Artigiano Serio, Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin, Lefties Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs, thank you all so very much for your continued support of the podcast. Now let's head on in to the conversation with Olivia Jade Warren. And like I usually start by asking you to introduce yourself, but I have to ask about the sculpture Landia because I did not know, like, is that the name of your business? Yes, so Sculpture Landia is the name of the business that my husband and I run together, and that is, it's um, kind of like the umbrella name for uh, all of the creative endeavors that we do together. So art and design, and um, lately we've been <clears throat> doing a lot of like uh, CAD drawing and fabrication for other artists. Um, just in our kind of word of mouth network that we have here. Um, we just got to the point where we needed like to have a separate LLC to just keep things straight financially. And mm -hmm. just, it, it helps to have an identity for yeah. everything. It does. That we does do it, together. Is it is it related at all to like I when I saw that I thought Portlandia is like immediately mm -hmm. it's I mean I guess um so it's funny you ask that so I guess yes because that's what you thought of so mm -hmm. it's like any any word that exists out there it's kind of whoever reads it they're gonna come up with their own associations mm -hmm. and so I, at the core of how we work is I, I'm very like formally driven and color driven and Remy my husband is is much more like historical and academically driven mm -hmm. but behind all of that the the thing that binds our our creative uh leanings is humor always and so <laughs> we are always looking for a way to kind of like 
make something not blatantly funny, but right. we like to in, to introduce humor into everything that we do for ourselves. We don't do, push that on like our clients. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. So yeah. I'll, so I'll I mean, back. also like there's there's a there's an ice cream shop in our neighborhood mm. called Fruity Landia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when we moved here um it just kind of stuck stuck out to us as like this, this it just like immediately you can't read that and not think it's like kind of funny and goofy and and childlike right. right um and we both we both like that and also the word sculpture is kind of the most all encapsulating word within a creative context like performance is sculpture objects are sculpture, uh, you know, even a text on a page, on a printed page can be positioned as sculpture. And so having the word sculpture front and center um, allows us to kind of grow Sculpturelandia in whichever direction we want to as the years go by. And it's always, we're always shifting and and morphing our focus. Like before we started recording, I was telling you about this mm -hmm. construction remodeling project that is not necessarily like, it's not a Sculpturelandia project by any mm -hmm. means, but um, it it's taking up a huge portion of our time and attention. And we are taking it on together as a partnership. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, at, we developed Sculpturelandia last year and every year we are always trying to like get into different contexts to learn more about that context to, to bring it back into the Sculpturelandia practice. Um, we both are driven by learning and so anything new that we can introduce under the Sculpturelandia umbrella is appealing to us nice nice and um you know i i jumped in the middle mainly because people who are listening like i see behind you like the lit up uh sculpture <laughs> landing sign um but i want to ask if you could introduce yourself so everyone knows who i'm talking to as we're talking about this sculpture landia yeah, uh, my name is Olivia Juarez. I was born and raised in Chicago. Um, my uh, dad's side of the family is from Peru. And so I was raised in a bilingual household. Um, when I was born, my grandma came over from Peru and helped to raise me. And um, my, I have many amazing, powerful uh, aunts that also were around while I was growing up. So I'd say that, that, you know, from the very beginning, I was always surrounded by a lot of really strong female characters. Um, and that kind of continued on all the way until now. Um, I got, I was always interested in making and really artsy and creative but when I was kind of deciding about going to college I was a little bit uh I kept saying like I don't know what I want to study I know I want to take art classes but I don't think that's going to be my main thing but I know I want to take art classes and then I kept saying that like it was like a script that I had like and then someone was like, why don't you just try to go to art school? And it was like something that I, I didn't think that I was allowed to do, or it had never occurred to me that that was an option. And um, I think because I had just assumed that my parents would not uh, support that idea. Um, and that's been something that was really important to me growing up to have their kind of moral support. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
but anyway, I just kind of went for it and um, <clears throat> I'm really glad that I did because it kind of introduced me to this whole world of constant learning, which is the the main thing that I'm interested in. I'm like always seeking to learn something new. And so being in a craft-based um, art school allowed me to like really dive into a million different materials. I was doing a lot of wax casting, paper making, woodworking, a little bit of metalworking, um, performance, dance, like everything. Um, I was really scared of painting though. I didn't do any painting in school. <laughs> um, and then right after school, I, right after graduating with my BFA, I went to Alfred University in upstate New York. Um, really great, amazing college for uh, like craft-based studies. Like it's really well known for its ceramics program and also its engineering program. And those two programs mesh really well together. They produce a lot of ceramic components for like aerospace and also um, healthcare, which is really interesting. Um, so I kind of got my hands in every nook and cranny of the art department that I could there. And after, or in my last year, I was just applying to every single um, internship or studio assistantship opportunity that I could. And I ended up at the Anderson Ranch Art Center in um, Snowmass Village in Colorado. And my role there was to be the sculpture intern. And the sculpture department there, they, they have the capacity to do a little, to work with a variety of materials, but a majority of their tools at the time were metalworking tools. So they had a lot of torch welders and a forge and um, hydraulic press and, you know, basic metalworking tools. And the mm -hmm. coordinator at the time was also very, um, he was kind of mostly doing woodworking and metalworking. And when you're an intern at the Anderson Ranch Art Center, your role is to be the liaison between the, in, the new students coming in for summer workshops and a visiting artist. Mm -hmm. And so you are the one that has to uh, explain how the specifics of that shop work to the incoming artist and also make sure all of the new students are using everything safely and kind of helping them complete their projects safely and efficiently. And so right away, we had like maybe two or three weeks before students came to kind of learn everything really quickly. And so I kind of dove in and took it upon myself to learn as much as I could as fast as possible. And through that one summer, I, I had like another crash course in a whole new slew of materials. I did stone carving, a lot of metalworking. I, we had a foundry um, course, uh, weaving course, so many, so many things um, that were still new to me. And I, throughout the summer, kind of really latched onto metalworking as a process, I found it, uh, believe it or not, really calming um, because <clears throat> welding in particular, it just requires like a certain stillness and concentration that I really appreciated. Um, and so I would just spend all of my extra time um, trying to get better and better. And um, in between workshops, I would practice welding and work on, on little projects on my own. And then uh, one of the teachers that was teaching a workshop there asked me to assist her after I left Anderson Ranch. So 
and her name is Vivian Beer. She's an amazing uh, metal sculptor and furniture maker. Um, she Her studio is in uh, the New England area. And so after um, working at the ranch for about a year, then I, then I moved out to New Hampshire to, to work with Vivian Beer for a year. And so every single day we were working on her incredible um, hydraulic formed furniture, benches and chairs and massive, we made a, a massive, huge bench that wrapped around a new hotel that was being built. Um, and so I learned so much there and Vivian Beer is such, she's such an amazing maker and so consistent. Her working with her really helped me see a possible creative future that I had never seen before. Um, so she, she is, to me, she will always be like a core pillar in, in my like creative foundation. I, I owe so much to her. She's, she's amazing. And to have, to have like kind of plucked me out, so to speak. And I was new too. I was not like an expert, right. but but she, and she's had so many amazing assistants throughout the years and, and um, it's, it's amazing to learn through doing in that way and to feel like immediately invested in the project that you're working on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm rambling at this point, but. Oh, you're, you're funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious, like, um, at first, you know, even just the, like, basically learning to give yourself the permission to go to art school, and then moving from there, like, did you have any even inklings of what a career in, you know, art could look like, like what that meant outside of just going to school for it? Um, That's a great question. So I... In my mind, I was thinking that I was going to try as many different mediums as possible. And then my job after school, my day job would be executing on, you know, certain material or being an, an artist assistant. And so I, I kind of have done both, mm -hmm. um, but in the last, five or six years I've um, mostly worked in metalworking so because I and kind of latched on to right what's that and for yourself right in the last few years yeah yeah for myself as well but but honestly most of my income has come from my welding I've I've worked in so many different metalworking shops doing like furniture fabrication so um, that skill building that I earned through working with Vivian Beer and at Anderson Ranch basically gave me a career. Like it set me up to build the skills to have a career in, in um, furniture fabrication so far. And like, um, so I've worked like full-time furniture fabrication and now I'm working part-time uh, welding, metalworking, and the rest of my time, I'm like slowly tipping the scales into being less and less uh, welding work and more and more design and like managing work. And that's the direction that I would like to go because like I keep mentioning, I'm like fueled by learning. And so I, I'm always trying to be better and do better at my craft of metalworking, but I I always have this like, this like craving in the back of my mind to learn something completely mm -hmm. different and new. So I've started also working for another artist um, 
her name is Dee Clements, and she runs Studio Heron in Chicago. And she um, used to work primarily in textiles, uh, but now she does um, sculptural reed, like basket vessel weaving. And so I work with her occasionally um, in her studio working with color and reed and form and weaving. Um, which has been a really incredible change of pace for materiality for me. Mm -hmm. And um, working alongside her has also shown me a different way to, to um, be a woman in the creative field. Vivian Beer was, is she's such a powerhouse and like, just this incredible, like intense builder. And so is Dee Clements. She's an intense builder, but in a completely different way. You know, her language is much more fluid. And the materiality, the material is, is much more forgiving in a way, but it also really forces me to trust my instincts and my gut and kind of like go with the flow, so to speak. Like she really wants things to be like more spontaneous in their form. Mm -hmm. Whereas with with metal, that's a, usually difficult to execute on something without a plan, you know, like right. metal thrives when you have a plan and you execute it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so working with Reed and these like softer materials is, is um has been a really nice change of pace and a different has shown me a different way to to work with metal too it yeah. all the, like everything always bounces back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely have found that too that sometimes learning a new material and a new skill can inform a practice in a material that you've been working with for a really long time. Like it can give you just an idea of like, I bet this would work with, you know, whatever that material might be. Um, I wanted to ask when, when you're mentioning design, is that still through like designing for, you know, another company or doing your own design work, like for your own company? Doing, doing my own design work. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in, in creating it, just the whole process of design, design, build, fabricate. Like that's what mm -hmm. I've been doing for years for other people. And so mm -hmm. to do it for myself is, is what's new and, and interesting. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, yeah, I have the tricky thing. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. The tricky thing about that is, is developing like a recognizable language, you know? Yeah. So that that's always the constant challenge, especially like at the very beginning, like we are now, I would say like we're, we are at the beginning stages of developing like a, a style of language, but like I was explaining at the earlier, just about the name, we are not really, I don't know. It's like, we're learning how to design in bodies of work rather than like, oh, that's like a Sculpture Landia piece because right. The, the, and in our minds, Sculpture Landia is just going to be kind of around for a very long time and allow allow us to like ebb and flow our brand, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, until... Like I've been designing, you know, pieces and making pieces for quite a few years now. However, until going to grad school for design, I don't think I put in like the same intense amount of work of 
like pounding out a design and also getting like the benefit of like I really appreciate prompts I'm learning because Mm -hmm. it um at least gives me a place to start otherwise I find like I'm kind of all over the board um you know yeah the 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 blank page yeah the blank page yeah (laughs) so prompts have been helpful um but I, I feel like I've been in that same boat as you in the, in the sense of like, I never felt like I found a sense of design that was like, okay, that's like Katie Freeman's work right there. Like I have certain skills and techniques that I do frequently with pieces, but it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. like end up looking the same in the end. Yeah. So yeah. I think that can be hard to kind of, hammer out especially when you do have like 300 things you're trying to accomplish all at once <laughs> like we talked yeah. about the multitasking that's uh <laughs> yeah um completely i i read this quote a while ago that was um it said the work of the artist is to figure out oneself like mm-hmm. that that is the the hardest work and so <clears throat> i think keeping that in mind it's like impossible for an individual or a collective of creatives to really authentically produce in the same style over time because it's within our nature to be constantly changing as our interests mm-hmm. change so I, I I appreciate allowing the design to to change over time, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you have to choose one thing to make at a time. You know, you have to right. decide the the decision of like, okay, this is a finished design. <laughs> yes. That's really difficult. <laughs> it's really difficult, and it takes a lot of time and iteration. Um. And yeah, prompts prompts really help with that. Or having some sort of parameter to work with. Yeah. That's yeah. usually how we've been working is, okay, well, we really want to incorporate something that is, right now we're, we're designing a lot of seating. Mm-hmm. So like lounge seats and some uh, couch, small couches and, our main parameter is to is to induce like conversation and so and also tie into like our most frequent body of work like that color scheme and and materials and aesthetic so we're thinking a lot about like positioning within a room to induce conversation Mm -hmm. and and things like that but that's still really open-ended yeah yeah exactly do you see yourself like do you think you'll always come back to metal even when you venture off and learn a new um you know medium yeah I think so I think that metal is one of those materials that's incredibly useful and no matter what other material I may end up focusing on in the future, I will always be so grateful to have this skill set and confidence of working with this material that is the bones of an object for the most part, you know, like I can, I know how to make a solid structure. I know how to, to any other material that I want to use, I have the confidence to use it, knowing that if that material doesn't have the structural integrity to do the shape or do the moving that I want it to do, I can figure out a way to give it metal bones (laughs) so that it can, it can do that. Um, Yeah. So I think that I'm so glad to have that skill set and I think I would encourage anyone to to at least learn the basics of of metalworking for that reason it's so applicable to every other material um Mm -hmm. 
And it's one of those materials that you can also make it invisible if you don't want it to be um, a visual part of your yeah. of your piece or or project. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, this yeah, was my was first actually... semester with it. Like I haven't done yeah. metal really before. I'm usually I've always done woodworking. Um, and I have found like I I love it enough that I'm switching my secondary to metal. Um wow. I'm like I just <laughs> I just want to work with it more and do, you know, just learn so much more about it. And at least with what we were doing this semester, I'm like, I really liked how forgiving it was like if I mess up a curve or whatever I'm like okay you just pound it straight again and start yeah. over like you yeah. you get more chances with it with wood it's like if you mess it up you have to get a whole new piece like there's not really any fixing it you know once you cut yeah remove wood you can't make it go back type thing so yeah so true yeah it is it is an amazing in that way and that it's it can be really rigid or or flexible depending on really your how well you know how to use it so yeah. you know you're you're like advancing to the point where you know and you have the confidence like oh well if this isn't perfect i can i know how to fix it or alter it or add mm -hmm. a little bit of filler material here or there mm -hmm. um yeah it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It was, it, it was definitely, definitely eye-opening. It, I think recently I've been thinking a lot about and, and being kind of contacted about things of this, um, like cir circular making where it's like, you know, the use of recycled materials or how are you sourcing materials and working with them and, I still don't know a ton about the, the metal side of business. Do you, as far as I know, though, we get a lot of that inter internationally. Like we're not making a lot of it ourselves here in the States. Um, do you foresee that landscape changing, just the source of material or what we have to work with um, in the industry? Well, in the last couple of years, the price of metal has really, really gone up dramatically. Mm -hmm. And that has everything to do with the supply chain and the war in Ukraine and the cost of oil um, mm -hmm. and the cost of shipping. And so as long as those elements continue to be complicated, I foresee the cost of, of metal continuing to to go up or at least plateau at where it's at. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, that that is always the cat, the, the tricky thing morally working with yeah. this type of material is that it's, it, there's always inherently a carbon footprint attached to it. It's been, mm -hmm. it's been, manufactured and produced in a very resource intensive way and already passed through so many hands before it gets to mine. Um, yeah, it, it's, I don't know, you know, I, I would like to allocate more time into really understanding fully what the, the, the implications of of using metal on the scale that I am using it, you know, which is very small comparatively, but right. I would also appreciate understanding just from a broader context in art architecture, like as an architectural material, I know that um, research is, trending towards finding alternative building yeah. materials other than metal because yeah it's not sustainable yeah do you do you in your practice ever work with like recycled um metal pieces um yeah i mean sometimes i i recycled well all aluminum is 
recycled, I believe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or at least a large portion of aluminum is recycled. It's very easily processed in that way. Um, I, I am kind of a hoarder of scraps and little bits and pieces. So I inevitably use all of the little offcuts and, and things that um, mm -hmm. I rarely, <laughs> this is not, it makes for a very disorganized shop, but um, <laughs> whatever. I, I, yeah. I use a lot of the bits and pieces. And so that's not really recycling, so to speak, but I am kind of, you, I use everything that I can. Yeah. I'm yeah. not, um, I'm not scrapping a ton mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah. 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 But it's tough. I mean, especially you'll when... find the same thing. In, sorry. Uh, I say you'll find the same thing in, in any woodworking shop as well. Like piles yeah. and piles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember also when I was first, when I first started working in furniture shops, like I would keep all of the little like miter offcuts and stuff from like different shapes of materials. Yeah. And I would like stack them up in different ways and make these little like bookshelf sculpture type things or I don't know. That it's um, every little shape can be a sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah exactly so as you're working on your own designs and kind of I guess growing that side what is your outlet for that I mean is it you know are you being contacted just by individuals or getting to work with you know, interior designers or other sources? Like how, how are you sourcing, I guess, the opportunities to be able to design? The majority of it, I'd say 80% of our work has been just through word of mouth. So we, we don't have a website and we have a very minimal online presence, which is something th this year that I would like to change. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, everything has, has for the most part been word of mouth or like secondary word of mouth. Like uh, we'll get referred to someone that maybe we don't know directly, but it's through a, a contact of ours that has worked with us before or has seen us, our work or seen us working. So that's the majority of our like client work which uh, which is like you know custom designing for someone's home or doing design mm -hmm. services like uh we'll do CAD drawings for artists or um fabrication for artists hmm. so all of that is is all word of mouth um and yeah it's we feel very fortunate to to have been able to stay really busy just with that alone. But like I said before, I, I, I want to, um, I want this year to be the year where we get everything online as well, because mm -hmm. as nice as it is to have someone trust you based on a word of mouth referral, just for us, I would like to be able to have everything in one place you know mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. every time we it, it's like introducing us as a design duo is always like really clunky because we haven't we haven't made like a a, a concise website for ourselves mm -hmm. so we don't have like a concise fingerprint to to share with someone else for them to just get a quick idea of who we are and, and what, how we approach our work. How is it working creatively with your spouse? Um, so we have always been, from the moment we met, we always um, worked creatively together in some capacity. Um, and so it's been pretty organic and, and natural feeling. And um, 
we we work really hard at um, trying to encourage and <clears throat> and push each other to become more immersed in you know like Remy is always pushing me to like pull out my own voice and I do the same for him because I think it only makes our work more interesting the the less we do that and the more we just talk together and develop everything together all the time the more kind of like monotonous it becomes and so we are always encouraging each other to like go out on our own do our research do our sketches and then come together together um but yeah so it's but uh, you know just like it, it doesn't I feel like it doesn't matter what you're working on when you're working with your spouse there's just another challenge of of uh you know not to not take things super personally when you, if you don't yeah. like something or um if someone didn't do something that they said to like to we're we're always learning how to navigate those little bumps in a in a like mutually respectful and encouraging way yeah, yeah. it's it's tricky but um we're committed to making it work <laughs> that's good i think yeah i i tend to think there's like there's couples that work well together and then there's couples that don't work well together in, in the sense of oh like yeah work, work. yeah yeah especially yeah. when it comes to like creativity because there's yeah. often so much ego involved and like mm -hmm. my idea versus your idea and so I think right away Remy and I just came to this understanding that we're together so often that as much as we push each other to develop our own ideas, we live together and our, we're creating our environment together. And so there's always like um, this meshing that like we're, our, our brains are kind of meshed in a way that doesn't allow us to really claim like my idea versus your yeah. idea. And I think that just having that understanding between us has allowed us to like overstep all of those kind of like ego things um, because we're kind of just like starting from this understanding that like, yes, we have our own interests and abilities to create and generate ideas, but also we understand that we're always influencing each other. So mm -hmm. if something, if I say something and he doesn't like it, it's not, it's not like a a dig at my yeah. at my ego. It's just mm -hmm. something that I pulled out from our like collective creative language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um I think that can be very interesting in the creative world of the like I, I don't and I don't understand it like why do we do that to ourselves why do we compete with each other when and and I'm guilty of it too right initially I always have the initial reaction of like either maybe somebody's art or design is better than mine or mine is better than whatever and and I usually have to stop and tell myself like okay knock it off like that's a different person. I'm a different person. We just approached it differently. Neither is, neither one is better than the other. They're just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but it is something that, it, you know, it's like, depending on what world you kind of go in and out of, of craft versus art versus design, um, you know, each world has its own set up system on whether people share ideas or share techniques with each other or they don't you know that type of thing um and I don't know I'm, I'm definitely on the same wave of you I just like to learn um and and 
that's like my first and foremost. <laughs> like, as long yeah. as I keep learning, I'm happy. Um, yeah, so completely. I, don't know, I wish people would do less competing with each other and more sharing because there's definitely enough work and enough clients out there for everybody. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the scarcity mindset is, is gonna, you know, it's gonna kill us all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not healthy, but it's also, it, it, it is like you said, like, it's a constant, you have to constantly remind yourself to not okay. think that way. Because for some reason, it, that's what comes naturally. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. the jealousy, the yeah. jealousy and the judgment comes so much easier. Um, and I don't know why we're built that way, but it is I tough. I think, I think there's, there's so many systems around us that make it really easy to compare one to another. And so yeah. I think it's, it's a really healthy yet difficult habit to break that yeah comparison and, and judgment against your own creativity because like you said it's like you know someone maybe makes something that looks super similar to what you made last year right. or whatever but right. <laughs> um again it's like this collective conscious or collective creativity is like right. we're all pulling from Mm -hmm. our surroundings and so who's to say that the way you saw something isn't very similar to the way someone else saw that same thing exactly exactly do you do you and like Remy and your guys's practice do you collaborate with other like artists craftspeople makers for your um the work you're working on um, we haven't collaborated in a formal way, but we are really interested in that and have some planning for some collaborations in the near future. Um, yeah, we're extremely open to that and love. I love working with other creative people and problem solving different ideas I think that's mm -hmm. why I love being an, an artist assistant so much is that even though it's not, they're not, uh, again, my ideas, so right, to speak, right. <laughs> I just, I really love the problem solving of it. And that's why, you know, when I came to the university of Iowa to teach that yes. workshop, I, that I love being in that role of kind of jumping into other people's thought processes and just giving my input. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really fun to to bring just an, a, a different brain in to kind yeah. of strategize or give a different perspective. Um, so in that way, yeah, I love, I love working with other people um, as long as they have this, this similar understanding of like, all right, we're making this thing together and it's not yours yeah. and it's not mine. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Now I have, I have one tough question for you and that is, especially with your own business, how do you, or maybe how do you and Remy define whether you're being successful with that business or not? Hmm. Um, right now, our definition of success is to be outputting our ideas. Mm -hmm. I think right now we're at this stage of of just trying to have as much output as possible and mm -hmm. then after that the next stage will be making some profit <laughs> <laughs> but right now um we both also have uh job like day jobs so yes. sculpture landia is is right now 
we're not relying on it for income. We're mm-hmm. just relying on it to to give us this creative outlet that we so desperately need in order to mm-hmm. feel fulfilled and whole. Mm-hmm. So right now, our idea of success is is pushing ourselves to to make the time to do that. Um, and like I said before, like if when we have our website and uh, more prominent online presence, that will be another another milestone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been learning a lot about um, business management in general, and there's there's a whole there's so much to learn, and I am you know I don't know how anyone has all the time to to implement it all, but um, we're working on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's sometimes where the ball can fall short um, in undergrad or even grad school for art is the understanding like when you graduate, like, yes, you can have a job, go work for somebody else. But if you plan to do any, any of your own work, like you're not just an artist, you are a business. And yeah, like, completely. How to navigate that, how, like, yeah. you know, what needs to be done, not even just, like, legally and financially, but but things of how do we put our stuff out in the world, like, and how does that yeah. get even noticed in the mm-hmm. big bucket of all the things that people are putting out into the world? Yeah, there's so, there's so much... PR knowledge to be gained out there and we're starting to to dig into that um, because that is so so crucial you know I think a lot of a lot of creatives that have businesses focus most of their time like we are right now on making the stuff and then the system that the stuff gets uh, pushed through is like an afterthought. And I think that is a really common mistake that a lot of creative businesses can make is expecting the piece to draw so much attention on its own that the rest of it is can kind of be on autopilot. But because our world is so saturated with stuff and images that that just simply does not work. And so, yeah, I'm very aware of of just the necessity to to really allocate as much time as as you can to setting up PR opportunities and mm-hmm. marketing and understanding your profit with each project and keeping track of time and trying to be as efficient as possible. All of those things are critical to having a business. Otherwise, it's it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is like a tragedy. But yeah. um, you know, it, it it's I'm trying to look at it as another as another creative endeavor. Like business is is uh is about being creative. Also, you know, yeah. there are certain rules that you have to learn and learn to implement but after that it's all about trying to innovate and being and become more efficient and and yeah simply to be creative with the rules that are out there yeah yeah um i think maybe to your point of like the world is saturated with all these images does make me curious, you know, pre internet times, pre social media times, like you might have done well if you got yourself like in a magazine or Mm -hmm. in a book or, you know, in a local article, whatever, because that is where people were sourcing like that information from. And now it's like, you just, pick up your phone and 
you have access to millions of people doing all these different things yeah um yeah i remember um vivian beer told me that when she um after she did a uh she had a residency at penland for i think those are two years one or Mm -hmm. two year long residency and she made a bunch of work and she bought a, a trailer and filled the trailer with her work and then drove to new york and physically went in to gallery after gallery and showed her work to these gallerists and Mm -hmm. um, that was how she kind of introduced herself to the the fine art world Mm -hmm. the very beginning was just very physical hands-on um and so yeah that's something that is is I haven't heard of anyone else doing that because it's you know, there's so many other ways to do it now, but, right. but, but nothing compares with physically showing up right. still. <laughs> I was going to say that still feels like something I would rather do. It's just to physically yeah. show up. Yeah, completely. Like, here's talk about your work, like mm-hmm. in person versus, you know, right. I mean, they, they, that's what they do say. It's like, once you just even going down to like a phone conversation with somebody reduces like communication by like 60% or some crazy number like that. So, Oh, from like face to face to face to face. Yeah. Wow. To phone. That's why because we talk so much with our bodies. Yeah. Um, and, and I think too, like, especially in the 3d art space world, like, so much of that piece I always feel is meant to be interacted with in a physical Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. that a picture never does it justice like even if it's the most phenomenal picture in the world like it doesn't let that person touch it and that's Mm -hmm. like the one quote that's always stuck with me from a furniture professor that I had was that people look at furniture with their hands they just do Mm. and so so you have to make that piece like be uh you know something that is felt with all the senses not just mm-hmm. visually yeah completely and yeah furniture and sculpture has a has a presence that's also kind yeah. of indescribable sometimes and it's just something that you feel or it, the the impact that it has in a room Mm-hmm. can't be translated through an image exactly in the same way yeah yeah so maybe that's what I just need to do load up a trailer and drive from gallery to gallery yeah I mean also like that that's an amazing way to be memorable and make an impact yeah. and to be to just make a really straightforward connection it's so it's so direct and it's you're cutting mm-hmm. through so much visual noise in that way Mm -hmm. if you can do that um yeah that would let me know if you do that i have a feeling though that's in most cases today like the gallery would just tell you submit something online even if you walk in in person they'd probably just be like just email us you'd probably you're probably right there (laughs) yeah (laughs) um well, we're uh, at the end of our time together. Um, so I do want to give you a chance to let people know like how they can find you and follow along with uh, what work you're up to. Okay, so um, on Instagram, I can be found at olive underscore hits. Uh, P-I-T-S and then our Sculpturelandia Instagram is at Sculpturelandia so it's just the word sculpture plus Landia L-A-N-D-I-A yeah and like I said website incoming um, but those two places are the best way to kind of see what we're up to on my personal account 
uh, I'll post a lot of, I have a lot of like uh, construction, <laughs> construction stuff <laughs> that I haven't posted yet, but I have a lot of images accumulated. And then um, I'll often just post some, some metalworking stuff or, or other kind of drawings and, and other ideas that, that I'm working on. And um, yeah, Sculpturelandia too. All, all types of sketches and, and finished pieces will be on there. So th those are our digital footprints as of now. Nice, nice. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks, Katie. This was really cool. It was good to to see you and catch up. I hope that the rest of, or when you go back to school, it goes well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so again, that was Olivia J. Juarez, and I will include uh, the link to follow along with her on her Instagram. In the show notes for today's episode, best place to find that is to look at the description for the episode in your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And if you would like to support the podcast in a more ongoing manner, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution. All right. So just one more episode left in this first mini series of 2023. Excited to bring that to you. Um, and until then, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, fam, they got something they want to say. Solution for the toxic masculinities. Pollution is the constant evolution of the